0: He is risen. He is risen indeed. As has been our custom for the past two plus months, we continue our reading of John's account from his time with Jesus. We are in John chapter 20, verses 1 and 2, and verses 11 through 18. Listen now to the word of our Lord. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman. Why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, and Jesus, I think Jesus is having a little fun. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to your brothers and tell them, I am ascending To my father and your father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. She told them that he had said these things to her. It's the word of the Lord. Many years ago, I was having breakfast with a Marine. And this Marine, like many of our veterans who have returned home from war, was struggling to pick up the pieces. And at some point during the conversation, I mustered up the courage to ask, do you believe in God? And he shared, in spite of all he had been through and all he was going through, that he believed in God. And I couldn't help myself. I had to ask, how? Why? And I'll always remember the look that he gave me and maybe you've seen this look, maybe you've given this look, it was the look of knowing, as if he knew something in the depths of his soul. And knowingly, with a smile, he said, I have seen the evidence. When it comes to believing in God, many of us have been told, you just gotta believe. Has anyone ever said that to you? You just got to believe. You, you just got to have faith. And I know at least some of you are thinking, yeah, someone has said that to me. It sounds like you, Pastor. When we say you just got to believe... When people of faith, people like me, say, You gotta believe, you gotta have faith, unknowingly, we are implying that you just gotta believe because there's no way to verify what you believe. We, we say, You just gotta have faith because there's no way of knowing if what you have faith in is actually true. We are apply, implying that there is. In absence of evidence when it comes to believing in God or Jesus. And it's difficult for most of us. To believe because hopefully in every other area of our lives we're not relying on our feelings to determine our beliefs or we're not relying on what we hope is true to define our beliefs but hopefully we are deriving our beliefs based on the evidence and when it comes to faith we are told to believe something is true about God without having seen the evidence and today, if you're not sure what you believe about God or Jesus, first, we're happy that you're here. And second, you might be surprised to hear that Peter and John, Mary Magdalene, and the other women at the empty tomb, they also struggled to believe without having seen the evidence. Like the Marine, they came to believe that Jesus is God the Son, the resurrection and the life. Not because their rabboni or their teacher told them just believe or you just gotta have faith. It is because Jesus's disciples had seen the evidence. And today, before you make up your mind about what Jesus has or hasn't done, who God is or isn't, I believe that you owe it to yourself to at least look at the evidence. And we have an avalanche of historical evidence from the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have more evidence about his life than we do from the life of Socrates, Muhammad, and Alexander the Great. And what follows are the eyewitness accounts of those who were there on the first Easter. It is the evidence for Easter. And the first Easter began on the first day of the week. Does anyone know what the first day of the week is? Good job. At the 9 a.m., they were saying Monday. We don't want to start the week on a Monday. The first day of the week is Sunday. And so the first Easter began early on a Sunday morning. Hopefully, before your Sunday morning began, it was still dark. Mary Magdalene, Salome, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, walked to Jesus' tomb. And they were carrying something. They were carrying upwards of 100 pounds of spices and perfumes to give Jesus a proper burial. And these were the same women who were there with Jesus on Good Friday. On Good Friday, they were eyewitnesses to Jesus' crucifixion. They heard the chants of the crowd, crucify, crucify. They saw as the Roman soldiers drove the nails into Jesus' hands. And they were there when Jesus prayed his last prayer and breathed his last breath. And when Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea took Jesus' body and placed it in the tomb, the women followed. And they saw how Jesus was laid in the tomb. On Good Friday, the women had seen the evidence. Jesus was dead. History supports their claim. Former atheist and Chicago Tribune reporter Lee Strobel investigated and found no records of anyone, anywhere, ever surviving the full Roman crucifixion. The American Medical Society published a study Clearly, the weight of the evidence indicates that Jesus was dead even before the wound in his side was inflicted. The late German New Testament scholar, Gerard Ludemann, who is also an atheist, admitted Jesus' death as a consequence of crucifixion is indisputable. On Good Friday, the women had seen the evidence Jesus was dead. And on Easter Sunday, when the women arrived at the tomb... The stone that sealed the tomb had been rolled away. They responded the way you and I would respond. Can, can you imagine going to pay your respects and, and you arrive at the gravestone and you find that the casket is open and empty? The scriptures tell us that they were deeply distressed, perplexed, panicked, and unnerved. And I'm assuming that Mary Magdalene was the fastest of the women. Either she's volunteered or she volunteers to run back into the town where the disciples were hiding. Mary goes to to their home and tells Peter and John, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we, the women, do not know where they have put him. On Easter Sunday, the women had seen the evidence. Jesus' tomb was empty. But I would encourage you, don't just take Mary Magdalene, Joanna Salome, and Mary, mother of James's word for it. What did Jesus' opponents say about Jesus' tomb on Easter Sunday? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's take the word of Jesus' opponents. After the first Easter Sunday, Jesus' opponents began spreading the rumor, Jesus's disciples have stolen the body in making that claim they conceded that Jesus's tomb was empty they had they held something in common with Mary Magdalene and Jesus's disciples they all agreed at least on this thing Jesus's tomb was empty and so the question becomes who stole Jesus's body Who stole his body? And there's no doubt that Mary Magdalene was traumatized by the events of Good Friday. There's no doubt that she was unnerved by the sight of the empty tomb. And Mary shows us that you can experience trauma and heartbreak and also think practically rationally and logically. Mary arrives at the conclusion at the empty tomb that only a person in her right mind can arrive at. She is thinking logically. She she proclaims dead bodies don't just disappear. Someone must have taken or stolen the body. And first, Based on multiple historical records written not long after Jesus' death, Roman and Jewish authorities sent armed guards to prevent Jesus' body from being moved. We know Jesus' opponents did not steal Jesus' body. One of the reasons that I believe that the New Testament uh, scriptures are authentic and authoritative and factual is because when the the people who wrote them did not paint the disciples in a very flattering light. We understand through their accounts that the disciples, the male disciples, excuse me, not the female disciples, the male disciples had deserted Jesus on Good Friday. And on Easter Sunday, we find them in hiding, understandably so. They feared that Jesus' fate was the same fate that might await them. And so we know Jesus' disciples did not steal the body. The question remains, who could it be? When Mary says, they have taken away the Lord, scholars agree the they is a reference to grave robbers. You can say what my my uh, two and four year old say. Yucky, that's disgusting. Now don't take my toddler's word for it. When it comes to the hypothesis that grave robbers must have stolen the body, we do understand that grave robbing was a lucrative business. And and I don't know how frequently people do this today, but in Jesus's day, you would not only bury your loved one, you would bury their valuable possessions with them. And so grave robbing was a common phenomenon. But there are two objections to mary's hypothesis first grave robbers carried off valuables not bodies carrying off a body weighed down with 100 pounds of spices and perfumes had no financial benefit it was a major inconvenience and nonsensical the idea that someone would do that would be shocking to ancient readers second After Mary told John and Peter that the Lord's body was taken away, John and Peter run to the tomb. In verse 5, which is not in your bulletin, but is in your Bible, in verse 5, John, he bent over, looked in, say looked in. All right, good. We'll try that one more time. Say looked in. And saw the strips of linen, but he did not go in. He remains outside of the tomb. In verse 6 and 7, then Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw. Say, he saw. The strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth, the grave clothes that had been wrapped around Jesus's head. The cloth was lying in its place separate from the linen. The Greek word used to describe John looking in and seeing is blepo. Surprise, surprise. Blepo means looking in and seeing. However, it gets interesting because the Greek word that describes John looking and seeing is theoreo. Theoreo does not simply mean looking and seeing. It means to stare intently, look for understanding, and to weigh the evidence. Peter stares intently, looks for understanding, and finds an orderly scene at the tomb. The clothes are neatly folded It means if the body were stolen by the grave robbers, they took time to unwrap Jesus' body at the scene of the crime and to fold his clothes. Have you ever heard the expression, the more things change, the more things stay the same? I don't know if you've been robbed, but I do know this. When someone robs your home, they take your valuables, but they don't take time to fold your dirty laundry. Can I get an amen? They should, though. Peter had seen the evidence. Jesus' body was not stolen. Peter and John go home. And Mary stays. And she she stands at the tomb and she's crying. Her, Her world has been shattered. Some of you know what that feels like. You've been in that place. You know what it's like to stand at the tomb at the grave. Your your world has, has been shattered. And there's deep, deep heartbreak and trauma. The scripture says in verse 11, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. Yeah, you guessed it. The word for looking and seeing in this case is theoreo, to stare intently, to look for understanding and to weigh the evidence. And Mary stays at the tomb looking for understanding and weighing the evidence. In distress, Mary stares intently. With no trace of Jesus in her world, Mary stays looking for understanding. When none of it makes sense, Mary stays weighing the evidence. And the tears reveal the conclusion of Mary Magdalene. Jesus' disciple. Where, what she concludes is this the evidence of the empty tomb is no proof of a resurrection. She was not expecting a resurrection in the middle of history. No Jew was. Yet Mary stays and she sees what she could not believe to be true was actually a reality. In her grief, in her trauma, in her questioning, she sees something that she could never fathom could happen in her mind. God is ushering in a new reality. God has defeated the power of death. Jesus Christ is going to show her and show us that he is who he claims to be, the resurrection and the life. And so the angels come to her and say, why are you crying? We're so happy, we already know what happened. And then at this, she turns around, turns from the empty tomb, And saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Wink, wink. Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you carried him away, I'm willing to do anything to get him back. She's assuming that he's dead. Weighed down with close to 100 pounds of spices and cloth. I'll I'll do anything to, to get Jesus back. And Jesus says to her, Mary, and she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, don't hold on to me, let go of me. This hug is so so tight for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene goes and she tells the disciples the news, I have seen the Lord. And she tells them everything that he has said to her. And the disciples, the 11 disciples who were left, who were in hiding, it was so easy for them to believe in the resurrection. They just accepted that Jesus was risen for the dead because that seems totally logical and practical impossible. No! They deemed it an idle tale, a fairy tale. There's no way that Jesus is risen. And it wasn't until later that day, on Easter Sunday, that Jesus came into the home where they were hiding and he showed them his nail-scarred hands. And then the disciples, like Mary Magdalene, had seen the evidence and they believed that Jesus is risen and they proclaimed the message, we have seen the Lord, And so I would say to you today, based on the evidence, it takes no faith to believe that Jesus lives, that Jesus had lived, that Jesus died and that the tomb was empty. And the area where it does take faith to believe is that Jesus is risen. And the reason that I have come to the conclusion that Jesus is risen, that Mary Magdalene and the other disciples had seen the risen Lord, is based on the evidence, based on what happened after the first Easter Sunday. Something happened on Easter Sunday, there's no refuting it, that changed Mary Magdalene and the rest of the disciples. And they not only came to believe in a risen Savior, their lives were changed by the risen Lord. Through them, Jesus Christ, and, and there's no denying this. No, no one in their right mind would, would ever deny this. Through them, a movement started that has changed the course of human history. So much of what we value in the Western world comes from the teachings of Jesus Christ. More books have been written about Christ than anyone. More messages have been shared about Christ than anyone. More people have heard about Christ than anyone. More hospitals, orphanages, and schools and houses of worship have been built by his followers than in the name of anyone. And it's a movement that God began with a small ragtag group of fearful, unbelieving, ordinary people who had seen the evidence and were changed by the resurrection. The movement that God began through them has changed the lives of billions of people. And what gets me, what sticks with me, is that this very group of people was willing to proclaim the resurrection at the cost of, of their lives. How could they not fear death? The early Christians were crucified upside down. John himself, for proclaiming this very message, was boiled in a hot pot of oil. They were thrown in the ring with gladiators and fed to wild animals. Crucified upside down, burned at the stake and they weren't afraid to die and how could that possibly happen? Why would they not be quiet about the resurrection? And the answer is they had seen the evidence. Jesus is risen. And I'll end here. How can this message possibly be practical, applicable for you and I today? Of course it's applicable and practical because we all face death and on that day of course we hope that and have the reality of a resurrection with God in forever. But what about today? What can we do today in response to the message of resurrection? Follow in the footsteps of Mary Magdalene. If she can do it, you can do it. I'll say it again. Follow in the footsteps of Mary Magdalene. She didn't have all of the answers. She was experiencing deep, deep heartbreak. And what she does at the empty tomb is the thing that God calls you and I to do at the empty tomb. She doesn't go home. She stays. She stays. She stares intently. She looks for understanding, and she weighs the evidence. She continues to pursue Christ. In doubt, stay. With us and look for understanding. In heartbreak, stay with us. Let's look together. In grief, stay. Let's be there for one another. And in victory, let's celebrate together. Are you willing to stay? Are you willing to journey with us as we pursue Christ? And there's no guarantee. I was with our, with one of our worship leaders this morning. He said, you know what the people need? They, they, they need to see Jesus The risen Lord walk right into the sanctuary and then they'll believe. They need to hold them the way that Mary Magdalene held the risen Lord. And I have to tell you, there's no guarantee that you will see the risen Lord in this life. However, I have a feeling. If you stay and do what Mary Magdalene did, stare intently, look for the evidence and look for understanding. One day, one day, you'll be the one knowingly, who is smiling and telling another person, I believe in God. I have seen the evidence because Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen. You have to do better if you want me to conclude the sermon. I must have failed. He is risen. risen Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and praise because I have seen the evidence of your love, your beauty, your devotion, and your kindness right here through this very group of people. And so we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the cross, for it is a symbol of your love. And we thank you for the empty tomb, the symbol of your power. And we thank you for your church because it is a symbol for all who would believe of your never failing love and your power to not only resurrect your son on Easter Sunday, but to bring resurrection in this life and the next to all who would believe in Jesus Christ. And so Lord, for those who are struggling right now with doubt, with with annoyance at the message, with unnatural anger or fear, I pray that you would open closed hearts that that those who claim to be open-minded would indeed be open-minded when it comes to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that they would feel safe and not judged. As we follow you, look together, stare intently, and give to you what you have given to each one of us, our lives. To you be the glory and the honor and the power, now and forevermore. And we all say together, amen.